0: Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Thursday, January 11th, 2024. Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer joins us now. Tony, always a pleasure, my dear friend. Welcome back. Good morning, Judge. Thank you for
1: having me. I always enjoy course, our conversation. Thank you,
0: uh, thank you. for uh, joining us. Uh, is Ukraine on its last legs? And if it is, I think you're probably going to say yes, but if it is, How insane is it for the Speaker of the House of Representatives to say, well, by the way, if we get a border wall, we'll get you your 68 billion, billion, President Zelensky.
1: So this is why we have the most expensive and bloated defense on the planet. Uh, Let's just take a step back from Ukraine and look at this in context. We have a a budget. They're about to sign out for 800 plus billion dollars. Now, think about this. 886 yeah. the 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 defense budget is over half of the overall federal budget and not by a little bit by uh, like near 100 billion dollars to your point so what are we getting for that exactly and uh, you know is is that 61 billion out of that nearly a trillion in our interest for any strategic goal i i don't know because i sit down and I was driving somewhere yesterday, and I was listening to to NPR, to National Public Radio, and um, one of the guys was from Georgetown. I, I couldn't catch his name, but he was he was even saying on the left that, gee, we've got this really expensive budget, uh, you know, and we 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 really don't know where it all goes. And so, even if you have if you have the left admitting that, gee, we we spend all this money, we don't know where it goes, and it doesn't actually give us anything. Why are we doing? it? And the answer is for the same reason the speaker is saying oh we'll give you the 61 billion politics no one has sat down and the other thing the npr guy said which i have said over and over we need a grand strategy you know i don't i've never asked you about this judge i don't know how you feel about it but i'm i'm a reagan guy i was a fan of the fact that no matter how you felt about reagan at least they knew what they were trying to achieve relating to national security reagan said it very clearly beat the russians beat the soviets uh, you know, uh, they lose, we win, and they set out the the Pentagon Enterprise to focus on. And I've talked to John Lehman, I've talked to the Secretary of the Army, to to, to Stone. Uh, I was mentored and and friends with Bud McFar- uh, Bud McFarland before he passed. God rest his soul. They had a plan, and they 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 stuck to that plan pretty closely. There's no such unifying concept for the for the budgets today. It, literally, it's 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 spending as much money as the enterprise wants and hoping for the best. And hope is not a strategy. So, right. so let's, let, me,
0: let me interject let, here. Your, your colleague, your former colleague, Karen Kwadkowski claims it's even worse than that because it contributes to, uh, to debt. Uh, of know, course. No, I agree. Have, we don't actually have the cash. We have to borrow it. No. Sometimes we borrow it from the Chinese.
1: Well, Walter, uh, my our, our friend Walter Jones used to lecture me on, you know, the late right. Walter Jones, God rest his soul. Walter used to say this very thing that you're saying. It's like, yeah, this is not giving us any advantage by the fact that, you know, your son and his son, his son's son is going to have to pay for this because War- we we are not. There is no link. We should have a separate show on this, Judge. Right. There right. is no Walter relation Jones, to appropriation and spending.
0: The, Walter the, 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 Jones the, the, was a, a very courageous Libertarian Republican congressman who represented a lot, a district that had a lot of people in the military, but understood what military waste was. I and live in his,
1: I live in his district now. Okay. At least I did.
0: So yeah. he pointed out to you and me and, and, you know, this yeah. is the open knowledge about 900 that there, nobody even knows the exact number. It's somewhere between 825 and 903 foreign military installations. There isn't a human being on the planet who can name all of them. There isn't a human being on the planet who can justify uh, all the money that's uh, spent there. Uh, But Karen uh, points out, as do you. Uh, In fact, Colonel McGregor says the same thing. There is no strategy. It's just spend, spend, spend reward, reward, reward the military industrial complex, spread the military industrial complex around so that's a lot of people working for it in as many congressional districts as possible so they can put pressure on the members of Congress to vote these huge budgets. And we know that if we send um, $5 billion in equipment to Israel, we are sending equipment we already have. But uh, an order goes out for five billion to replace that, so the military-industrial right. complex gains immediately.
1: And so, um, and, and Eisenhower warned us about this military-industrial congressional complex. Right. He talked about it. In the, so, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I guess a Reagan-Eisenhower uh, Republican, I guess for lack of a better term. But, but this is a long way getting back to Ukraine. So, within the context of this loaded 888 billion dollar boon for the defense industry. There's no focus. There's no strategy. And that links it to the unrestricted spending on Ukraine because right. there's no plan for Ukraine. So the the larger no plan for the strategic uh, defense of the United States or our global interests links directly to the lack of interest or lack of, of, of focus or ability to understand what our objectives are for Ukraine. So what's another $61 billion? You know, as Nikki Haley, I think, as Nikki Haley said in her Whenever it debates well what's what's a billion dollars well that attitude is why we're here now that's why we, we have these bloated budgets because of people like her who just yeah what's a billion dollars well a billion dollars is a lot of money in most people's
0: all right but know. but in in this case there's very little that they can do with it other than steal it no. uh, they don't have they don't have the manpower no they are are utterly uh, defeated President Zelensky has stopped going around with his tin cup because nobody's putting any uh, cash in it uh, anymore. Right. So why are our Republican friends, and thank God some of our Republican friends are resisting this, in the House of Representatives willing to go along with what Mike Johnson said? Well, I'd like to believe,
1: I don't know if it's true, I'd like to believe Johnson recognizes that this is a point of pain for the Biden administration. So this is what's going on. The Biden administration is trying to kick the can down the road. I don't think they're going to make it, by the way, but they're trying to kick the can down the road from what you and I are seeing. Basically, they, Blinken, Austin, when he's at the job, uh, are, have all been focused on trying to promote and project a narrative that Ukraine's going to win. Uh, they're in the process of winning. And it's just a matter of days before they they overcome the Russians, even now, even now they're trying to downplay everything you and I are talking about. And the reason they are downplaying is because of domestic politics. This is what Joe Biden is trying to preclude. They're trying to preclude uh, his his uh, another Afghanistan withdrawal debacle, because that's what this is going to this is going to be a second debacle that cannot be hidden. And so what they're trying to do, Judge, is trying to build enough cash in the system so they can pay and get things through at least till the summer, uh, maybe the fall, to, to make sure that this, the, the, fa- the failure of pol- U.S. policy doesn't reflect badly on Biden. It's not going to work. But They're, this, they're not going to make it.
0: This money uh, will be borrowed. The principal on it will never right. be repaid. Nope. But the grandchildren of the people listening to us now who are Americans or American taxpayers— uh, we'll be paying interest on this for uh, God knows how long. We're still paying interest on the debt uh, from World so, War One. It's, right. um, it's just reprehensible uh, that they would uh, do this. And, gee, aren't you glad Republicans took over the House of Representatives, Tony? Is, aren't you happy that they stopped all the profit and spending? The deal Mike Johnson cut. And I'm sorry, folks, for watching this. They've heard me rant about this three or four times now in the past couple of days. The deal Mike Johnson cut is almost to the dollar. The same deal that Kevin McCarthy cut with Nancy Pelosi that got him kicked out of the job. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? (laughs) Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend and save what you believe in every single day.
1: That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car
0: buying should be.
1: Right. Look, uh, I could go through, you and I could go through as a team, I think it'd be fun to go through every line item and cut at least two thirds of them because Look, this whole issue regarding funding, this new green deal, it's all a sham. Trump correctly calls it out for what it is. It's, it's, it's grifting. It's green grifting. And then uh, the legacy programs that go back to, you mentioned it, World War I. We have things on the books that we're still paying for as a legacy that are probably in some congressman's district who would scream to high heaven if, if you cut it because it, it affects his constituency and his ability to be reelected. This is an evil tapestry of yes. overlapping and, and uh, often uh, expensive interests that we fund with no regard to the future. This and began. I think this is something, and by the way, as a, as a separate note, I, I, I wish we could find a lawyer, and you're a judge, so you probably know a few, who would, who could sue the federal government over the fact that at this point, taxes are simply harassment to citizens because the government doesn't need the money. They will simply print it if they need it. Therefore, because the moment they detached, in my judgment, the moment they detached appropriating money from spending it, 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 it invalidated any need for taxation there thereby becomes redundant and taxpayers simply become harassed by having to pay taxes.
0: Well, and, right, and right their now, spend. right now, half. Well, let's see. Let me make sure I am having my numbers right. Right now, uh, two times as much is spent uh, with from cash that is borrowed than cash that is received from Precisely. the IRS. Yes. It's, rep- it's reprehensible. Um, You mentioned uh, um, Secretary Austin. Of course, I have to ask you about this because you're uh, a career military guy. So, we're going to play uh, some tape for you. First uh, is General uh, Pat Ryder saying, Well, nobody knew about it, but now we know and we make sure it won't happen again. It's it's just absurd. This guy's worse than Kirby. Uh, But then we're going to play uh, a timeline of events, which is pretty damning for the uh, Secretary of Defense. So, first eight and then Following it immediately, Chris, cut nine.
1: As soon as we had this information to make available, um, we provided it. We got it this afternoon and provided it literally minutes before I stepped in here.
0: Nobody at the White House knew that Secretary Austin had prostate cancer until this morning. And the president was informed immediately after we
1: were. In early December, that's one month ago. Austin learned he had prostate cancer. On December 22nd, he underwent a prostatectomy, the removal of part or all of the prostate under general anesthesia, and transferred his authorities to his deputy. On January 1st, he was admitted to the ICU at Walter Reed with what his doctors would diagnose as a urinary tract infection and fluid in his abdomen. On January 2nd, he again transferred his authorities to his deputy, but didn't say why. And on January 4th, he informed the National Security Council and his deputy about the hospitalization. And finally, January 5th, he makes his first public statement. And at no point during that entire process, Amna, did he say or admit that he had prostate cancer
0: have happened to you as a lieutenant colonel if you had treated your superiors uh, with such a wall of silence for such a length of time about such a serious matter
1: well i would have been literally uh, brought up on charges literally i mean you know you know you and i know i've had a love-hate relationship with my chains of command in the past and I, right
0: but it's it's about but it's it's not over it's, or, not over it's not over it's not over this. deception and dishonesty. no right
1: no and and this is the issue so uh Let's break this down for what, and by the way, full disclosure, I know both men. I know Pat, Pat Ryder. I've worked with Pat on previous projects, chain of command, when he was uh, General Dunford's, uh, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Dunford's uh, PAO. So Pat's in a difficult position. So let me defend Pat real quick. I, I, I believe, I like Pat, but there's no excuse for the Austin piece. And I know Austin. Austin, if you read Operation Darkheart, Judge, you, you know, you've read my book. Right. Austin is, is one of the two generals I worked for in Af- well, one of the three generals I worked for in Afghanistan. He was commander. I was the chief clandestine guy for, for when he and McChrystal were there in 2003, 2004. Anyway, on forward. Uh, Lloyd Austin has been overpromoted by a factor of five since he was a colonel. Uh, oh. He was a he wasn't, the you know, I'll let people judge for themselves if they read the read book what kind of uh, general he was when I worked for him. But um, at this point. There and and by the way, that second report you mentioned about timeline—it's not correct. There were actually periods in December where, first off, nobody checked on 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 uh, Austin. There was no chatter between Joe Biden and Lloyd Austin, which everybody should be frightened by. Again, I'm a Reagan guy. I know for a fact that John Lehman, Chris Lehman, Bud McFarland—they were all chattering all the time. They were, and this is before cell phones or texting. This is in the '80s. So the fact that you have the, the, the largest, most expensive enterprise on the planet, the, the Pentagon, not actually in regular and sustained contact with the guy in charge, Joe Biden, makes me question what exactly is going on. Mm. And this is by law, by law, they, they did, they're doing a review now. This, this, this is a memo came out 8 January, uh, a couple of days ago, Review of, of Notification Process for Assumption of Functions and, res- and Duties of the Secretary of Defense. Are you kidding me? We're three years into the administration, and just now you're figuring out there's a responsibility to notify? So, and it says here correctly, Title Ten, which is the defense authorization set of laws, uh, what's normally called traditional military activities, anything George Washington did, this covered pretty much under Title Ten. It says, and it does actually stipulate within the law, that certain military weapon systems, nuclear weapons, cannot uh, be uh, uh, left unoverseen for a minute, not a minute, because these things are, are basically, even now, despite the Cold War being done, we still have our finger on the nuclear trigger. I'm not here to judge it. I'm just telling you how it is. And so that finger on the nuclear trigger has to make sure that the guy who has his finger on the trigger is ready to pull it. For at least three weeks, there was nobody uh, at the trigger and nobody actually knew how to get to the trigger If you had to do something, I'm not saying we should go to nuclear war. I'm saying this was a major. Very, very serious. The
0: the picture you're painting is a very, very serious one. And one of serious dereliction uh, of duty. No wonder he offered to resign. One wonders why he did this. He's a career, a military guy, but I don't want to speculate about what was in his brain. I want to know about the dangers. So yeah, when the deputy secretary of defense sat in on cabinet meetings and didn't know, that her boss was incapacitated. She was just told he wants well, you to go. Did she have the authority, the finger on the nuclear triggers and not know well,
1: it? Well, two things. First off, she was actually in Puerto Rico on leave. Oh. There, there were several, there was, there was a cascade of failures here. So, so secondly, when, when Austin went down, his chief of staff was out sick. So the chief of staff apparently not being there didn't bother to notify anybody. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like, it's like uh, Chris. Chris being your guy, and like you're, you know, you can't make the show. Then Chris says, Well, I'm not going to, you know, I'm sick. I'm not going to do anything. So everybody hears static instead of your show. Well, that's what happened here. There was complete static because Miss Hicks, Catherine Hicks, who was the deputy, the undersecretary of defense, actually was in Puerto Rico on the beach, apparently. Something I don't know. I don't know if she's on the beach or not, but she was in Puerto Rico. Judge, she, she did not have any of the required and necessary technology communications tools necessary. To be fully integrated with the nuclear enterprise, he could have done anything. Uh, you you can't pull. You can't actually oversee the activities of of these the strategic nuclear forces in Minot, North Dakota, from a beach in in, in Puerto but Rico. Hearing. Not I don't possible.
0: Think, right. I I don't know what the president knows, and I don't know what the National Security Council knows, but no one has revealed publicly what you just did. Uh, how dangerous. This situation was—he really should uh, resign and be replaced with uh, someone A who's in better health. Yes, I don't know if his health is better. I said this he is, I've but said this. who has a better sense of duty and responsibility? Guy was a four-star general, and he doesn't understand the significance of telling your boss, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna be under the knife and out of it for ten days." You better give the nuclear codes to somebody else and somebody who's not on a beach or in right. a hotel in Puerto Rico. Wow. Right.
1: So and to, to extend that point just a little bit, sure. um, the fact that, that 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 he, Austin, didn't actually have the, 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 the wherewithal to talk about the fact it was cancer. Remember, this whole thing was a lie. Oh, it's elective. It's not elective. It's cancer. And so I think, again, Austin was trying to downplay the severity. And by the way, I think maybe that's how they went, wanted to go with messaging, saying, oh, it's just elective. It wasn't a big deal. It's a big deal. And, 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 anytime you go under general anesthesia, I've only, I, I don't, I don't think I've ever gone under general anesthesia, but I, I've seen people do it. My son had to do it when he was a kid. It's, it's frightening. And you, you know, there's always things that could go wrong. And by the way, right. last right. time I checked, I don't think uh, Lloyd Austin could do an existential body thing and, and go be like a on, 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 on call from, uh, from the, uh, from being, uh, knocked out. So this is as bad as a, by the way, this is the this is what the, the reason you're seeing the chaos here. The reason you're seeing things like this. This is like putting the ultimate DEI team of high school debating kids in charge of national security. That's what we're seeing here.
0: Wow, it's a damning analysis, Tony, and one factually uh, based. And I uh, commend you for your courage on it. Uh, I want to go to uh, another issue before we uh, finish, which is uh, Israel, uh, but. We're going to take it to the British Parliament. This is really weird, What we're about to show you. So this is David Cameron, now Lord David Cameron. Lord, that's right. right. Uh, Defense Minister for Great Britain, former Prime Minister David Cameron, under oath, answering questions from a parliamentary uh, committee about how many Brits are uh, held by the Gazans next to him, is his deputy who, though speaking British English, is speaking a version of it that's very difficult to follow, but you'll get the picture. I'm going to ask you when this is over, what do you think they're hiding? Take a listen, take a look at this. Be specific about the number of uh, UK nationals who remain as hostages? Yes, there are two um, and British do we have nationals? proof of life? There, there are two British nationals that remain as hostages. I don't want to make any further comment um, uh, on on them. There are also, of course... Do we, do we know they're alive? Though? I, I, I just don't want to say any more. Don't, we don't have any information to share with you. Um, there are also, of course, um, uh, people connect, very connected to Britain um, who are also hostages. A few of us were in Doha in December where we met with Roger Carstens, who was the US hostage negotiator mm-hmm. He can tell me in a minute's notice the names of all the hostages who are American who are still being held by Hamas, let alone the ones in Venezuela or anywhere else in the country. And he can most certainly tell me how many have been brought back to the U.K. – back to the U.S. How many have been brought back to the U.K. who had U.S. – U.K. citizenship? There, there,
1: There are two... Uh, as the foreign secretary, you have British nationality. Yeah. who are hostages. There are others who are connected to the UK yeah. through through yeah. family ties. I think the answer to your question is brought back to the UK by the UK government. Is is I think it will I have don't to confirm really care who, who brought
0: them back. I yeah. care about yeah. British nationals who were held hostage. <coughs> How many have been brought back?
1: Uh, let me let me confirm after this. But I, you know, I'll speak for myself, rather than for the foreign secretary. I don't think there are any. Yeah.
0: Okay. So the answer is zero. Yeah, I think that's right. What do you think they're hiding? Who are these people very connected to Britain? M- might they be uh, MI6 or might they be British soldiers? So, look, I don't. This is a
1: blind spot for me because I've not I've not tracked that close to the British aspects of this. And, you know, I, I have British contacts. I have contacts. Full disclosure, I've worked with the British several times. It's not, not a secret. I have no idea what they're talking about here. This is a cover-up with without any regard to why. I, I think it's more about embarrassment than anything secret. Just the way they're kind of, you know, not willing to talk about who who's in there and this that, and the other. Do I think they're up to something? Oh yeah, I think the British should try to do something. Well, they should to try to either by negotiation or by clandestine action recover their citizens. They have every right to do that. But uh, I think this is more. This looked more like amateur hour than any real uh, ability to keep a James Bond style plot secret. I mean, this is, this is, uh, Benny Hill meets, uh, meets Daniel Craig. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you'd see much, you know, you could, you know,
0: Chris, you, you got to make a cut of well, that one. Benny Hill we'll meet meets Daniel Craig. Yeah.
1: We'll meet in, in Istanbul. No East Ham bowl. It's right. a, it's an old Benny Hill
0: thing. Right, so right, just, right, right. It was very difficult to understand, uh, what that uh, what that fellow was saying. Uh, well, back when you to don't have all your teeth, you know it's tough. So. Yeah, back to Ukraine just to uh, put a bow uh, on this uh, on this package. Yeah. Uh, so Joe Biden yeah, Judge- still doesn't. Joe Biden still doesn't have an off ramp. He can claim stalemate, and then he can claim his his focuses on is on Israel. But there's no there's no legitimate moral off ramp to justify. 10 million people leaving Ukraine, a half a million young men dead uh, or disabled, 100 billion uh, American dollars uh, wasted. We don't know if any Americans were killed. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. Why? So he can run for reelection as a wartime president.
1: Well, that's what the goal was, I think. And I think it's backfired. Much like everything they do, it's kind of if they try to do something and, and the, the opposite happens. So in this case, uh, the Duran calls the Russian situation. Basically, the entire you know the entire line of engagement is uh, the philosophy of the Russians is aggressive attrition. That's what the and that's Duran, the Durand's, you know the, the the folks who talk who do the Duran. That's what their term is, and I think it's accurate. Basically, the Russians are aggra- aggressively antagonizing the Ukrainians to use uselessly expend their military force against their their very uh, very uh, vaunted. Four layer defense all along the line of engagement. So the Russians are just sitting there saying, Yeah, come on, come on. You just knock yourself out. And that's why you have these 500,000 plus casualties. They're not dead, but I mean, you know, either dead or severely wounded. And now they're calling for another 500,000 that they don't have. That is, that is manpower. So at this point, the Russians, the, the initiative is now with Russia. Russia has the initiative. The question becomes, does Putin and the Russians want to take advantage of it? Do they want to do anything? And I would argue, yeah, probably, but not now. I think they're just gonna let 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 things kind of go as they are because they're winning. There's no reason to change. If if your adversary, come on, Judge, we always talk about this politically. If your adversary is making mistakes, don't don't say anything and interfere with their ability to undermine their own their own effort. That's what's
0: going on here. So Tony, always a pleasure, my dear friend. Thank you very much for joining us, even though the sun isn't even up here yet on the East Coast. But thank you. And we'll talk to you again next week. All the best.
1: Thanks, Judge. You got it. Uh,
0: A full day coming up for you, uh, as you know, uh, including Scott Ritter from Moscow, John Mearsheimer, Professor Mearsheimer from Chicago, coming up at nine o'clock Eastern. Professor Jeffrey Sachs from Cambodia. Wow. Moscow, Cambodia, New Jersey. Only in America. Judge Napolitano for judging freedom.